Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, hello there, everybody. My name is Nate, and this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm by myself again today here on this beautiful, beautiful Cyber Monday morning. Charlie is still gone. He is out of town. He'll be back here tomorrow. So if this is your first time listening, just know that this is probably as good as it's going to get. You know, it's only downhill from here. But no, my uh, my best friend Charlie, who does this show with me every single day, we do a show every single day of the week. He is still gone from a Thanksgiving vacation to Las Vegas. I haven't heard from him, and I do not know for sure that he is going to be returning. We will see tomorrow to know for sure. I hope you guys had a really great Thanksgiving. If you're like me, then you just feel uncomfortably full still. Because I was still having Thanksgiving meals yesterday, actually. And this is by far one of the most disgusting and full and uncomfortable Thanksgivings I've ever had. And it is time to go out there and either, one, buy some new clothes that fit a little bit looser, or two, join a gym. I've got those two options And luckily, it seems like Amazon's got a lot of good deals on stretchy clothing today. So I will be looking at that as my first option. So you guys can do whatever you want. I don't know. Subscribe to the show if this is your first time ever listening. If you're on our website right now listening, you're listening on Facebook, anything like that, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. We're on like, I'm pretty sure every podcast app that there is. Um, if you guys can't find this on the one that you listen to all your podcasts on, then send us a message. Send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, and let me know if we're not on there. But we uh, we should be. So I put out this Instagram and Facebook story this morning asking what I should talk about today. Because Charlie's not here. I got to find something to fill this time. I will be making it a shorter episode. But I got to find something to uh, to fill this time. And what I got a couple of people responding with was this, this ICE University sting operation. I don't know if you guys saw any of these stories that were coming out over the Thanksgiving break about ICE um, starting this fake college, the University of Farmington, I believe is what it was called, and basically having immigrants sign up for it and then 
using that as a way for their visas to expire and then deport them. So we had the story come out, and I'm going to read to you uh, what the actual story is, how it's being portrayed, and then what the, the real story is behind it. So this is from Business Insider. So as the Detroit News first reported in January, hundreds of foreign students were arrested after enrolling in the University of Farmington, a fake college the Department of Homeland Security established as part of a sting operation to apprehend and prosecute people committing visa and immigration fraud. The Free Press reported that since then, an estimated 250 students, many of whom came from India, have lost their visas and been arrested on charges of immigration and visa fraud. ICE officials told the outlet that out of the 250 students, nearly 80% were granted voluntary departure and departed to the United States, while the other 20% had received official deportation orders or were fighting in court to stay in the United States. Okay, so you guys know the story. I'm sure you saw it. But there was this fake university that people were signing up for to attend, in, a, in quotation marks there, to attend uh, so they could keep their visas. And this has been portrayed by some people, uh, we'll just say, as we normally do, on the left as a, as a really, really terrible, cruel operation that has just damaged the lives of people who were honestly trying to... They were honestly trying to get a college education. And then, lo and behold, the, the evil, evil government was just using this as a sting operation to deport them. Now, when it comes to immigration, we'll just say this is, this is a libertarian podcast. And Charlie and I, uh, my friend Charlie, who normally does this with me, we differ a little bit. I will classify Charlie as a open borders libertarian. And I also philosophically agree with that. I do want open borders, although I don't think that open borders are possible as long as we have an income tax. I don't think we can do that. As long as we have an income tax and a welfare state, then I do not think that we can have, I do not think that we can have an open border. Other than that, if you could come into a country and the only way that you would be able to survive and to make a living for your family was by providing value for other people, if that was actually the only way and there was no way that you could live off of other people's money whatsoever, then every single immigrant would be a net benefit to society. The problem we have now, you know, I think a lot of people, they use uh, safety, they'll use the drug war, they'll talk about all these different things. I think what it boils down to, um, my guess is for most Republicans, is that they don't like the idea that people can come here and live off of their money without paying into the system equally like they are. And I think it's a low amount of immigrants who do that, but it does exist. And I think that that is actually the the basis for all of the, the, the hatred and animosity that comes with immigration. Really, it's, it's taxation in itself. You know, if we could get rid of taxation, I think we would solve a lot of problems. But this whole thing that happened with this fake university has been spun by people who are on the left, and yes, including even the Libertarian Party, which I did respond to them on this, including the Libertarian Party, 
as uh, this big thing that deceived the students into thinking that they were going to be receiving an education and then they were taken advantage of and now they're being deported from the country. I'll even read, I'll read the Libertarian Party's post on this. Uh, they said, let's see, November 27th. This is disturbing. Using deceptive detainment as a police practice is wrong. Lying to people trying to get an education is wrong. Government rounding up foreign students, then holding them until they can deport them is wrong. The federal government established a fake school to entrap foreign student visa holders. When their visas expired from failing to go to a real school, they were deported. Now the feds recruiting the students face felonies. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So now the feds recruiting these students are facing felonies. So that's how they portrayed this was, uh, we'll just read part of that line to people trying to get an education is wrong. Um, the federal government established a fake school to entrap foreign student visa holders. And then when their visas expired from failing to go to a real school, they were deported. So this is kind of the idea. And I wanted to read what the Libertarian Party had to say about it because more often than not, they're pretty objective about all these things. They're pretty good at looking into the actual details and not trying to portray something as something that it is not. So now we can also look at uh, some some tweets from some more famous people. This is from Sean King. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Sean King uh, on Twitter. I, I generally disagree with most everything he says. He's one of these guys that's out there calling uh, you know, for anti-capitalism, pro-socialism, uh, anti-police, and more so that there is uh, just rampant racism in the United States and that that is our main issue. So this is what he tweeted and, of course, got tons of retweets. He's got the blue check mark and everything, so a lot of followers. He said the United States government created a fake college in Michigan, helped recruit international students from all over the world to attend it, then arrested them all for immigration violations. Okay, let's see. This is from Ben Spielberg. ICE began this outrageous fake college entrapment scheme in 2015. ICE did the same thing to over 1,000 students in New Jersey in 2016. Let's see. This is from... This one got retweeted a bunch of times, although I do not know who the person is. Uh, Liz Power. So this is from LIS Power 1. This story is wild. ICE created a fake university, then enticed foreign-born students to attend charged them money, arrested them, deported them. Students had come legally on student visas, but since the school was fake, the visas weren't valid. Okay, so you can kind of see this through all of these posts. So Elizabeth Warren, at E. Warren, this is cruel and appalling. These students simply dreamed of getting the high-quality, higher education America can offer. ICE deceived and entrapped them just to deport them. And then the AOC uh, retweeting one of those previous people said abolish ICE uh, in agreement with this entire idea. Now, the problem is, number one, if you're someone who's a, just say you're a Trump supporter, well, an easy thing to say back to this because a lot of these tweets have been tied back to Trump and how terrible and racist and anti-immigrant he is. Well, um, this actual thing started while Barack Obama was in office. This started in 2015 under the Obama administration's ICE department. So that's something to remember. This is not something that Trump set up to try and entice people to go to the school. This is actually something that Obama's administration set up to try and entice these people. That's an important thing to remember. 
that a lot of people are leaving out, okay? But it actually goes further than that. If you look at the sentiment behind all of this, it really all revolves around these are innocent people who came here and they're trying to get a higher education. They simply just wanted to go to college and then they were victims of this evil entrapment situation set up by the government where they, they thought they were going to school and then apparently they were not and now they're being deported. The problem with that narrative is it isn't true. It's, it's simply not true. Because what everyone is leaving out of this, which is what you can go down further in this article from, let's see, Washington Examiner, Washington Post, Business Insider, we can read down towards the bottom of all of these articles, which is where you normally get all of the actual information that matters, just so you guys, I'm sure you guys are aware of this. But if you want to know the important part of an article, it's down at the bottom, normally in the very last paragraph. That's where you will get actual information. So the actual information you will find is that the students that were going to this college were well aware that this was a fake university. There were no classes. There were no instructors. They were not going to class and doing their homework and writing papers. They were not doing anything like this. They were completely aware that this was not a real university. The catch here is that they didn't know that this was a sting operation uh, with ICE. They thought that they were going to a fake university where they could put on paper that they were attending university so they could just continue to have their visas extended. But they were well aware that it was not a real university. So classifying this as taking advantage of these poor people from other countries who were just trying to come here and get a better education, and then they tried to go to a college so they can further their careers and, and get a degree, that's that's complete, to, to use a Joe Biden term, that's just complete malarkey. That's all it is. We've got a real malarkey problem right here in portraying it as that. So you have to ask yourself, why would we portray this? And why would we portray it this way? Well, because it, it helps you out politically. It helps out the entire narrative that the U.S. is anti-immigration or we're racist or anything like that. When, when you're running a, a campaign and there's an election coming up for president, it helps you to portray this narrative that ICE is duping these students into thinking that they're going to get a college education and instead they're just putting them on buses and shipping them out. And it's, it, it's a real problem that this can't be reported accurately. Well, actually the problem is that the headlines are all misleading you will find the accurate reporting at the end of all of these articles, even in, even in the articles where I was reading the Sean King tweets from, the AOC tweets, the Elizabeth Warren tweets, even from the Washington Post, the Business Insider, all of these, they will go on to say that this was a willingness on the part of these students to falsify the fact that they were going to school in an effort to continue their visas under false pretenses, under a, a false illusion that they were attending college and they were never trying to go to college. The students did not think that they were going to college. They did not think that they were attending classes. They did not think that they were going to receive an actual education or an actual degree. That was never part of this setup. 
they were participating in a scam, in a scheme that they knew was a scheme to try and extend their visas without actually having to go to school. So it's just, it's important that you actually uh, report the real information and shame on the Libertarian Party for actually posting this and going along with the exact same sentiment that everyone else did. They could have easily said in their post, they could have easily said that these students were willingly participating in a scheme to fraudulently stay in the United States by uh, extending their visas in a way that was a lie to the government in the fact that they're going to college. They could have said that, but instead they chose to say that we were just lying to people that were trying to get an education. And we were setting up a fake school, and since they thought they were going to a real school, their visas expired. That's not what happened at all. Look it up. Get on the old Google machine and check that out. So I don't know if you guys did any Black Friday shopping over the weekend. I didn't really do any. I don't really participate in that. But it's not because I am uh, protesting Black Friday or anything like that. It's because I really don't like going in places that are crowded with a lot of people. I'm generally not good at dealing with that. I especially do not like going and standing in long checkout lines. I don't like having to uh, wade through a lot of people to try and figure out the what the right size pair of pants is from somewhere, which has gotten bigger over the weekend. So I knew I needed to wait and see what the new size was going to be. So I didn't participate in it. Um, I did, however, and my wife did as well, order a lot of things online which is what a lot of people are doing. And I guess today is Cyber Monday, so there's probably a lot of great deals still online today. I wanted to read you this article from <laughs> this website, and I know I know this is obviously opinion, but I think it represents the opinion of a lot of people. So that's why I chose this article to go over the protests against Black Friday. This website's called bitchmedia.org. Okay, go look it up if you want to see a lot of really stupid stuff. Go check it out. That's fine. But I wanted to read you um, what they what they think about Black Friday because I noticed that there were a lot of protests. Uh, there were actually people uh, that have formed daisy chains and all kinds of things to try and block people from going in the stores. There's people that are upset about the people that have to work on Black Friday or over the weekend, the people driving and delivering for Amazon. All of these places, they're all victims of our evil, evil capitalist society, and everything would be better if we can just possibly switch over to a perfect, perfect socialist society. So I'm going to read from this article, and then we'll talk about it. So it says, Black Friday is a consumer holiday in name only because it wreaks such suffering upon retail workers, warehouse workers, delivery workers, and everyone who isn't directly profiting from this bacchanal of consumption. And in recent years, Black Friday has audaciously oozed past one-day sales to take over an entire weekend, culminating in the pixelated bloodbath known as Cyber Monday. This year... Black Friday sales are expected to exceed $9.1 billion. Even as foot traffic to brick-and-mortar stores continues to fall, thanks to the omnipresence of online shopping, 
Images of desperate shoppers fighting over toys and big screen televisions remain a post-Thanksgiving punchline, as have the yearly reports of Black Friday riots and deadly tramplings. 11 people have been injured and 10 people have died in shopping-related stampedes since the Black Friday death count began tallying these incidents in 2006. Though hailed as a triumph of capitalism by some, Black Friday seems obscene when considering America's ever-rising levels of poverty and the historic disparities between the haves and the have-nots. This haves and have-nots thing comes up a lot, by the way. It's, it's even, it goes back into that famous Milton Friedman video where uh, it's Donahue is asking him that when you see the haves and the have-nots, I don't like to think about it that way. Maybe this is a way that we can change this, but instead of saying haves and have-nots, why don't we try and be a little bit more positive about this since it's easier now than ever to get ahead in life, in our, in our evil, evil society, with thousands of people becoming millionaires all the time, new millionaires all the time, uh, with more and more people moving into the upper class, with the middle class and the lower class shrinking, both of those are shrinking while the upper class is growing very quickly, by the way. So when you say haves and have-nots, I mean, that really separates people out, and it, it seems like these two people can't coexist. But why don't we say the haves and the haven't-yets? Can we just say that? I know it's harder to say. You know, it involves more punctuation and more letters. We'll just say haves and haven't-yets. That's a lot better way to think about your society. Instead of naming this group of people have-nots, I would rather call them haven't-yets. That, 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 to me, is just a lot more positive way to look at it. Because there's no specific reason that those people are not going to have any way to become a have someday. I think everyone's a haven't yet, actually. So why don't we call it the, the disparities between the haves and the haven't yets. So continuing on. Now, though capitalism is so unfavorable that the government commissioned a falsehood-riddled study slamming the sus- supposed evils of socialism, you don't even really need to... Com- commission a a government thing you just look at the history of places that are socialist that would be pretty easy to do and fox news pundits are clutching their pearls over capitalism explainers socialism is hotter than ever among millennials who came of age during the great recession watched occupy wall street unfold and are now asking hard questions about so-called trickle-down economics no one who supports lower taxation has ever called anything trickle-down economics that has always been a false term that was made to sound, uh, to make the entire idea sound terrible. There is not an economic, uh, there's not an economic philosophy that anyone is pushing called trickle-down economics, by the way. Unabashed democratic socialists like AOC, uh, you know, these people are running for office. Let's see, the idea of socialized Medicare for all has gone from an obscure idea to a political talking point. So they're talking about how democratic socialism is growing. Of course, there's nothing new about the idea of consciously uncoupling from Black Friday. The Buy Nothing Day movement began in Canada in 1992 expanded to America in 1997, and has since spread to 65 other countries, including the United Kingdom, Finland, Sweden, Germany, New Zealand, Japan, the Netherlands, France, Norway, and Sweden. Buy Nothing Day was initially orchestrated by 
Callie Lassen, co-founder of the anti-advertising activist group Adbusters, to encourage the 20% who consume 86% of the world's resources to produce less waste. Our headlong plunge in the ecological collapse requires a profound shift in the way we see things. Lassen said in 2006, driving hybrid cars and limiting, limiting industrial emissions is great, but they are band-aid solutions if we don't address the core problem. We have to consume less. This is the message of Buy Nothing Day. Twelve years later, Lassen is still dreaming of an anti-capitalist holiday season. Last year, he expressed interest in expanding Buy Nothing Day to encompass Christmas. We can't allow the commercial forces and corporations to continue to hijack Christmas from us and turn it into this ugly consumer fest, he told Detroit Metro Times in 2017. If we can take Christmas back from these people that have stolen it from us, then I think we can start to get somewhere. If we can do this, then we can start to strike out at other consumer fest throughout the year, and then we the people can start to feel more in control again of our own destiny, which really is the larger picture. There's, <laughs> there's a weird thing inside of this where they're talking about all the people who are having to work for Amazon and Walmart and all that. They're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, and then they're also talking about how we should stop buying things, that we should consume less, that this entire, this entire economy needs to be, needs to be slowed down and, and for us to not be going out and buying things. It's a really interesting idea because um, what jobs would those people have that work in all of these retail spaces that work for Amazon? You know, the 600,000 people that work for Amazon, the 2.3 million people that work for Walmart, um, all the people who supply all of those things. Where uh, is the goal that all these people would not have a way to produce in society, to facilitate the needs of others, which is really what you're doing. You're working and and you're providing things that other people need. I'm trying to figure out the, the bigger picture here of how this is going to be better if we just uh, stop innovating, stop creating, and stop consuming things. Now, on the other hand, I understand that consumption in itself is not the best thing for an economy. The best thing you can do is to incentivize production because you have to have the production first. You should not incentivize consumption, you should incentivize production because the production has to happen first. There's a very, very simple scenario here, chicken or the egg, which one has to happen first? Can you consume something that has not been produced? No, you can't. So you have to incentivize the production first. And a lot of times, a lot of these, uh, this Keynesian style economics that thinks more towards consumption, it incentivizes the wrong side. And then their, their thoughts about, about Christmas and the way that it's become, you know, just this ugly consumer fest. That's what they call it. Now, on one hand, I agree with that. Um, most of my family, we, we don't exchange gifts. Uh, some of us do. But on the most part, with most of my family members, we don't do gifts. Uh, we just, we don't. It's a little bit ridiculous. You know, everyone's getting something, you know, worth... Uh, 30, 40 bucks for someone else and then someone else getting something worth 30, 40 bucks for them. And you're really all just passing the same amount of money around. It has a lot of stress. And it's, you know, it's it doesn't exactly make a ton of sense that we've made Christmas about receiving gifts. I, I understand that part for sure. We're going to keep going here. 
Even in the face of those uh, stampede videos that more affluent consumers love to share, the human costs of Black Friday are still jarring. Take, for example, the Amazon warehouse workers packing up your discounted orders. It's no secret that Jeff Bezos' retail monopoly isn't exactly nice to its severely overworked, underpaid employees, but the company still obnoxiously leans hard into Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Oh, I got to say something about this retail monopoly thing. Words have meanings. I don't, this is a problem. This is, always, this is actually a, a problem that we see with a lot of people. Words have meanings. Monopoly... Um, if you just want to break it down between, a, you know, um, the main part of it, which would be the mono part, they need to be the only provider of something. They need to be your only option for something when you're saying that something is a monopoly. In no way, shape, or form is Amazon a monopoly whatsoever. They've got a somewhere with the last check I did, they've got around 5% of the total retail sales. And they've got around 50% of online retail sales. How is that a monopoly? How is it a monopoly? If you have other choices, let me just ask you this. Let's figure out whether or not Amazon is a monopoly. Is Amazon your only choice to go buy a product, a gift for someone this year for Christmas? Are they your only choice? No, they're not a monopoly then. Okay. There we go. We went ahead and proved that they're not a monopoly. Not to mention the fact that they put all this weight on Jeff Bezos and Amazon, and they forget the fact that Amazon is a website where over a million different businesses sell their products. But they they think about this as it's all Amazon. It's all their products. It's all owned by Jeff Bezos. And that's why Amazon's profit margin is so, so thin where they do hundreds of billions of dollars in sales and they come out with like $10 billion in profit. One of the main reasons there is that they don't own all the stuff that they're selling. It's a website, just like Charlie and I, Good Morning Liberty. We have an Amazon store. We've got about 50 products. We've got about 50 SKUs on Amazon. We sell shirts, mugs, stickers, hoodies, all kinds of stuff on there. We are a seller on Amazon. We represent about 50 of the SKUs for products that are on Amazon. Jeff Bezos doesn't have anything to do about that, other than the fact that we're lucky that he created this website that has over 100 million people using it to buy things and a massive infrastructure for shipping products around. We benefit from the fact that he created this website as do another million businesses or more who use Amazon to sell their products. We benefit from the fact that that place exists. I talk about Amazon a lot on this show, and that's because it's, it's almost immeasurable how much benefit they have added to people who are trying to create a business and sell some type of product. For them to go in and create this infrastructure and create this website and get all the members who use it, uh, you, you just you can't even calculate the value that that's added to people. But people just think about Amazon and their sales and as if they own all of this. Where if you actually look at Amazon and you say this is their percentage of the market, what you should actually say is these millions of businesses 
have a percentage of this market. And they, they happen to host their products on Amazon's website to sell things. But it's not Amazon that's selling them. I know they do sell a lot of their own products. But it's not necessarily always Amazon that's selling them. It's millions of other businesses that are selling them on Amazon. So whenever you see their, their little percentage on a chart where it says like 50% of retail, Amazon. Well, there's, there's over a million businesses that fit inside that word Amazon right there. It's just, a, it's just a really bad way to classify this. So, okay. Vox recently spoke to a former Amazon employee, a U.S. Air Force veteran who worked there as a manager about what he saw during the Black Friday and Cyber Monday rush. On Black Friday and during the holiday season, everyone works six days a week. The associates work 10 hours a day. The manager's 14 to 18. It's mandatory overtime. The hours are not voluntary. And they are all on your feet, he said. People need to know that their free shipping comes at a human cost. Sure, you'll get cheaper and faster packages, but Amazon runs on a logistics system that's based off working people to the bare bones. This year, Black Friday will also be an opportunity for activists to challenge capitalism's excesses and its predatory impact on our society. Some activists are choosing to organize protests against corporate vampires like Walmart who leech off cash-strapped working-class folks. So this is the... I'm just going to read that again. Some activists are choosing to organize protests against corporate vampires like Walmart who leech off of cash-strapped working-class folks. This is the label that you get if you find a way to provide products at a cheap enough price that poor people can afford to get whatever they need, that's the label that you get. That you're a vampire leeching off of cash-strapped folks. As if, what's the other, what's the other option? That all of those things should be provided for free? Is that the other option? Who's going to work to provide those things for free? There's this weird mentality inside of these people where they don't like the fact that we use money. They don't like the fact that we have to go to work. You know, the people are working 10 hours a day. Some people are working 14 to 18. They're working six days a week. Okay, well, that's your job. That's just part of the job. And they say it's not voluntary. It's mandatory. Well, they're not forcing you to be there. You can leave. You can go work somewhere else. I know that that sounds like a, a, a cop-out response, but it is the truth. I mean, we've got more jobs than the amount of people we have. We're, we're at a worker shortage right now. The, as far as the jobs economy is looking, you can go anywhere and get hired if you want to. You can legitimately get a job almost anywhere in any kind of field if you want to right now. If you want a job, there is a job available. And this idea that it's wrong that... People are having to work this long. Well, just look how far we've came in our society. We've come in our society that if you're working 10 hours a day, six days a week during the holidays, that's a story. Like that's a, man, that's a story. That's a hardship right there. I had to work in an air-conditioned facility for 10 hours, six days a week, and I got paid $15 an hour to do it. I got paid more than a lot of EMTs make for saving people's lives. I got paid $15 an hour to work 10 hours a day in an air-conditioned facility. 
man, that's a, that's a hardship account today. Just think about what your grandparents or your great-grandparents had to go through to earn that same kind of living, to be able to purchase the same things that you can buy with the money that you have at the end of the day. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even a fair, it's not a good comparison whatsoever. You, your, your grandparents, to, to be able to do what you're doing right now, well, first off, the opportunity just didn't exist. Our technology hadn't progressed that far yet. And we completely have no gratitude for that whatsoever. We just think that this is just an automatic thing. That this is just something that happens as time goes on. It only happens as time goes on if it's incentivized to happen, if it's allowed to happen. And it's all of this production and creativity and innovation, and yes, consumption too, that has allowed for your working conditions to even be this nice. Okay, when your great-grandparents were, were working, they had to work on a, on a farm, more than likely, your great-grandparents, or in a factory that was way more dangerous than your Amazon warehouse, and then they all died when they were by the age of like 55 or 60, because that's what the average life expectancy was. You worked until you died. You did not get to retire and then live for 20 years at the end of your life. That was not a thing. You worked until you literally couldn't anymore. And yet here are these people talking about their working people to the bare bones. These people have no idea what working to the bare bones even is. They don't understand what that is whatsoever because they've never had to do it at all. This is a ridiculous comparison saying that you're working to the bare bones when you're in the 1% of the world, when there are people literally starving to death and people dying of thirst and people who would literally kill people to have the opportunity that you have. And this is what, this is what we say about it. And Walmart is one of the, another company that is demonized constantly. And I get it. I don't like going to Walmart. I hate going to Walmart. But typically, it's just because uh, they don't do a great job keeping stuff stocked. Not at the one close to me, anyway. They've only got a few lanes open. you got to wait for, for a while to check out. I don't like the fact that the company makes those kinds of decisions. But it's all the decisions that they make that allow for all their prices to be so low that allow for them to be able to employ over 2 million people. And even looking at the 2 million people that they employ, that doesn't even scratch the surface of all the other people that have jobs because they exist. Those are just direct Walmart employees. What about all the people that do shipping to their facilities from other producers? What about the people who work in uh, production facilities that, that provide products to Walmart? What about all those people? What about the people who work to, to help those people and give those people the things that they need in their lives? There's an, a nearly immeasurable impact that a place like Walmart has on the economy. And yes, I agree. I don't go there because it's a really annoying place to go and it's always frustrating. But demonizing them and saying that they're leeching off of working class people, those working class people are lucky and should be thankful and should have some gratitude for the fact that a place like Walmart exists, a place where you can get things cheaper than almost everywhere else. Almost every single product, you can get it cheaper at Walmart. If not, guess what? You can get it on Amazon. 
what would it be better if everything was more expensive? If we had less options, if you know, okay, maybe they put some people out of business in your town. Would you be better off if you had to go to eight different stores in your hometown and all of the products at every one of those stores cost 50% more than going and getting them at the, at the one place that is Walmart? Would you be better off? Would your family be better off if you had to spend two or three times as much time picking up all the goods that you needed and you had to pay more money for all of them? How is that better? How is that better? It's not. You can't tell me a way that it's better. Okay. Others are launching widespread boycotts against the specific companies. Uh, let's see. For example, the coalition of uh, Immokalee workers is staging an ongoing boycott against Wendy's for refusing to adhere to industry standards for farm worker wages. Others are investing in mutual aid by sharing with their fellow humans in need. Others have taken a more confrontational approach to Black Friday's money-grubbing stranglehold over the holiday season. Let's see. Um, in New York City, uh, this has to do with Amazon, the work of fighting and ultimately overthrowing capitalism spans far beyond one protest, of course, but every public effort to reject this oppressive system contributes to its destabilization and brings us one step closer to freeing ourselves from its iron grip. Capitalism was once seen as a core American value, but those days are over. And every signal that we can send to the ruling classes that their time at the top of the heap is coming to an end as a necessary spark. Every action, personal, political, public, strengthens the flame of resistance and helps people realize that a better world is possible. So what is a budding anti-capitalist to do today? Buy nothing? Stage a one-person boycott? Protest in front of a predatory corporate giant's office? Donate money, food, or other needed supplies to a local food bank? Yes. Throw a brick through a Starbucks window? Just kidding. I never publicly encouraged. Okay, so this doesn't want to do that. Anti-capitalism activism is so much bigger than one day, and Black Friday is hell, no matter which way you slice it. So do what feels best for you. Just please don't order anything from Amazon. The workers are struggling, and hyper-capitalist Voldemort doesn't deserve your money. The overthrow of capitalism isn't here yet, but we're closer now than ever. Okay, so I wanted to read that article because, not that I, you know, I didn't even look to see who wrote it. But I do believe, I do believe that this sentiment, this idea, this mentality, that this is a good representation of the mentality of a lot of people around the country. Okay, so once again, at the end of this article, you kind of hear the same thing play out once again this uh don't order anything from amazon the workers are struggling and hyper capitalist voldemort who jeff bezos is is what they're calling voldemort doesn't deserve your money this is once again just a massive misrepresentation of what the actual fact is that amazon doesn't own all of the products that are being sold on amazon like i said you can look up the numbers because I don't have the exact, I know it's over a million different companies, different people are selling things on Amazon. And then even further than that, I mean, they're not producing, they're not actually manufacturing or producing any of the things that are sold. All of those things are being produced by other people, even if they are owned by Amazon when they go to sell them. You know, the, it's, it's just this mentality that like, this is 
like a Walmart where you go and this is all Walmart and all the sales are Walmart owned, all, all these things. It's not the same thing. You know, Charlie and I have an Amazon seller account. You can go buy a shirt that says taxation is theft on Amazon. And if you want to, you can classify that as some terrible way that Amazon has taken your money. Or you can actually look at the truth of the matter, which is that most of that money just went to me and Charlie, and we just benefited from the fact that Amazon exists. Because how would we have gotten those people to our seller page otherwise? Ran hundreds to thousands of dollars in advertisements to try and get people to come to our website? Or we could just list our products on Amazon, and when someone searches libertarian merchandise on Amazon, we can be one of the products that comes up. We're better off. The customer's better off. Everyone is better off. And yes, Amazon is better off at the same time because they get to take a piece of it every single time. But they're saying that the workers are struggling. So don't order anything from them. How does that help the workers? What are the workers doing? They are, they are providing things that other people need. So if everyone decides that they're not going to order anything from Amazon, do the workers' lives get better if they all lose their jobs? Are they all better off now? Are they, are they more able to provide for their families who might be dependent on them in some kind of way? No. No, they're not better off. Now, I agree that we have a, a very, very high amount of this consumer mentality where we just need everything I agree. We, we think we have to have too many things. We got to have the newest version of everything. Uh, it's an issue, but it's not something that just not purchasing anything from these places is going to fix. That's not going to make the workers' lives better because everyone needs to be able to provide value for other people. And if you're not physically producing something that other people need and find valuable and will exchange money for, well, then you need to be working somewhere that is helping to do that for someone else. This idea that socialism has, and it's not even just in the core tenets of socialism, but I do think it's in, in a, the mentality of a lot of these people that it's inherently just evil to have to work for things. To, instead, we should just have these things provided to us and that we would all be better off. Someone has to work to produce those things. So if you're deciding that you shouldn't have to work because capitalism is slavery and you're forced to go work, and if you don't work, then you'll starve to death or something like that. So capitalism is slavery. So your alternative notion that you're presenting is that you shouldn't have to work, and instead someone else should be forced to work to provide things for you which just makes them a slave instead. And that's your moral argument. That's your moral ideology. That's the better way of doing things. We have such a backwards mentality about working these days. You have to ask yourself what it is that you're doing when you're working. Just picture yourself on a picture yourself on a commune. Let's say you're going to go to a nice utopian commune where they don't use any money. They don't, uh, you know, they don't use any money whatsoever. So you're going to go move here and you'll have everything provided for you. There's a doctor there. There's someone who builds houses. There's someone who grows food 
and uh, maybe you don't have any major skills, but you uh, you're strong, so you can work on a on a farm, even if even if you're not the one calling all the shots on the farming. So you you go to this commune, and you can have everything that you want, but what do you have to do to be allowed to have all of those things? Well, you have to work every day. You can't go to a commune and then just lay in your bed or just go sit on a chair and then tell everyone that they have to provide everything to you. Just ask Bernie Sanders. He made it three days on a commune. They eventually had to kick him off because he wouldn't do anything other than talk politics. So they had to kick him off. True story. Look it up. You're not just going to go to a commune and then not do anything and then have everything. You'll have to work. You'll have to provide other people with something that they need so they will provide you with things that you need. That's honestly still what capitalism is. It all gets fuzzy and distorted because of the, the money. And then you, we demonize these people who have more money than others. And we've expanded the price. We've just completely astronomically exploded the price of so many things by subsidizing it with, with taxpayer money that sometimes even if you work your whole life, you can't afford certain things. And that's the government's fault, and they're sorry. But it's the same thing as that commune. If you can agree that you would go to a commune, and you're not just going to sit at the commune and not do anything and expect everyone to provide you with things. No, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to provide them with something that they deem valuable, which is whatever the product of your labor is, whatever it is that you're doing on that commune. It's the same thing that we do now. It's the same thing that is capitalism. We just put money in between it so it can become more efficient and so it can expand so it can provide more things more efficiently we put money in between it because it would be really hard if my dad is a farmer and he needs to go to the doctor it would be really hard for him to drive a grain truck uh, to the to the doctor's office and then try to find some kind of way of exchanging the grain truck full of corn with the doctor so he can receive the doctor's service what if the doctor doesn't need any more corn, but they need, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they need soybeans. Maybe they need, maybe they need clothing or something like that. Maybe they want a new house. Well, my dad doesn't have that to provide to him. So what does he do? He puts the grain on the market and then he receives money for that grain. And then he can go to the doctor's office and he can say, Hey, I have money. And the doctor's like, okay, well, if you give me that money, then I can use that money to get all the things that I need. I don't have to worry about if you just brought me a grain truck full of corn. That would be really difficult. So they just brought money, which was a representation of the value that you created. And then we exchanged that. This whole, it, it's, it's all the same. It's all the same idea. And this idea that working to receive the things that you want is somehow evil and somehow greedy on the part of the people who are providing you with that job just doesn't make any sense. This demonizing Black Friday and Cyber Monday where people get to get things that they want voluntarily at a lower price than they would probably be able to get it all year. And they get to voluntarily decide whether or not they want to purchase that. How can that be a bad thing? Now, maybe people 
uh, are not very fiscally responsible. Maybe they're buying things that they shouldn't buy. And maybe they're enticed by the sales to buy things that they don't really need. But that's a personal responsibility issue. That's not something that's inherently wrong with capitalism. That's something in the society itself, with people not being personally responsible for how they're spending their hard-earned money. There's no one forcing you to get on Amazon and buy anything today. There's no one forcing you to go to Walmart and buy a 65-inch 4K TV for 350 bucks. There's no one forcing you to do that. They've presented that as an option, if that's something that you want. And I don't see how that can be portrayed as a bad thing. Would it be better if we just had a socialist society and you had no options? There was no voluntary transactions. You were never given the opportunity to not get something or to get something that you wanted. Maybe it was something lavish. Maybe you don't need a new TV right now, but hey, we got a good sale. It'd be cool to have this TV. I'd feel better when I get home from work if I just had this amazing 65-inch 4K TV that's a smart TV in 3D or whatever it is. Maybe you'd feel better. Would you rather just have some kind of a government body deciding whether or not it was time for you to get a new TV? Would you rather just have a government body deciding what cars we should have, how many of them we should produce, what features should be on them, when it's time for you to get a new car, when it's not time for you to get a new car? Is it going to be inherently better if the workers own all of these companies? No. You know how we know that? Because they're, uh, they're not doing it right now. There's no law saying that a uh, group of people cannot band together, form a co-op, and start a company. There's no law stopping you from doing that. That's a good thing about capitalism. If you want to start your socialist production in a capitalist society, you are allowed to do that if you want to. Now, no one is stepping up and doing that, and that says a lot. Because if they're going to be able to have cheaper products, better products, they're going to be cheaper because they're not worried about all the evil profit. All the workers are going to be happier because they're getting paid more and everyone's going to gravitate towards this co-op. Then it would have started by now. The problem is you can't get something like that off the ground because you can't get all those people together to agree on how to do anything or how to create a certain product or what the price should be or any, any of the little minute details that go into every single business. That's not going to happen. Socialism requires that other people take risk and start these businesses, and then they come in and take it over afterwards, but they can't actually create the new businesses. Do you know how you know that? Once again, because they're not doing it. There could be a new invention, a new technology, a new co-op could be formed, all the people could band together. They could each put in a hundred bucks over the span of a couple of years. So it's not, you know, making them cash trapped or anything like that. And then they can put this new invention and technology out there. And this new company that didn't exist before can be out there providing this new service that didn't exist. And all the workers are going to be happier. It's going to be ran better because there's no CEOs. It's going to be cheaper because there's no evil profit. They could do it. They could always do it. And instead, you don't see that because it's not possible. The only thing that's possible is that people who want to make a profit, who want to create something, well, they take the risk. 
and they start the company and they get it off the ground. And then people want to come in and take it over. That's always the, the terrible part about this is that no one's out there fighting for their ownership of the 70% of businesses that fail. No one's out there fighting for that ownership. They're out there, like this article, talking about two or three companies, five, maybe 10 companies out of the millions of companies in the US, the, the millions of corporations around the world. They're talking about 10 of them. Why isn't anyone fighting for their ownership of, I don't know, mine and Charlie's company right now? Well, because it might fail. They don't want ownership of it right now. They want to they wanna see us make it successful and have tons of profit coming in. And then they want to come in and say that they should be owners of it. After that, they don't want to be owners of it right now. And that's how you know that socialist people don't actually want ownership of corporations. Because ownership means that there is a risk involved, that it might fail and you might lose everything. None of them are fighting for that part of the ownership. They all want a piece of the profits. No one wants to share the losses. And that's how you know that that ideology doesn't work because they would be doing it right now. It's the great thing about capitalism is that if you want to create your own socialist business right now, you can do it. Go do it. But under socialism, can you create your own capitalist business? No, you can't. They will not allow you to do it. Why not? If, if people would freely group together, form a corporation, and then they would create products, people would freely work for that corporation, and then people would freely choose to go purchase things from that corporation, and it was all voluntary, why would you not allow it? That should tell you a lot about those two different systems. So anyway, guys, my short episode ended up being almost an hour today. That's eh, not too bad. I'm going to leave you guys with a link inside of the podcast notes. We plugged Amazon enough today. Why don't we just go ahead and tell you guys about our Amazon affiliate link. Guys, it's Cyber Monday. Christmas is coming up. And you do not want to wait until the day before Christmas to start ordering things. Because I don't think you'll get your Amazon deliveries in one day at that point in time. I don't know. Maybe they'll be forcing people to deliver things that day. I don't think they will. But go ahead and start ordering things. You can probably find a lot of great deals on Amazon. I'm going to put a link to our affiliate link on there. If you click on that, it's going to take you to all of their hottest products, their hottest deals of the day. When you purchase things through that, hey, we get a little piece of the pie, which we're just going to turn right back around and put that in the advertisements for our page so we can keep growing this movement. So go to the show notes. If you want to buy something on Amazon today, this week, sometime before Christmas, click on that link. We really would appreciate it. Go follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty, on Twitter at Good AM Liberty, on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. Go to BernieLies.com. If you guys want to read some great articles on politics and economics, you guys do all of those things. And me and Charlie, we will be right back here tomorrow doing it all again. You guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>